Vintage Broadcasting, an old-time production created and produced by your Master of Ceremonies, Frank Oz. Stay tuned to hear various updates from around the world and here in the United States. We will be considering a variety of topics from history, sports, religion, and American politics. The conversations will be free-flowing and filled with Christian conservative views relating to all topics discussed. If you wish to participate, feel free to comment in the broadcast subject line and voice your opinion. Please keep your language controlled and civil as foul language will not be tolerated in any instance, but instead will be deleted immediately. We will not shy away from difficult topics and do not adhere to the socialist communist agenda in any way. We are Americans from the good old days. When men were men and ladies were respected, God was feared and children obeyed. We still believe in truth, justice, and the American way. Again, if you have a topic that you wish to discuss, let us know and we will do our best to address those issues. Thank you, and we appreciate your participation in this broadcast. Episode 21, Barack Obama, a cultural Marxist. One man that we must consider is a man named Barack Hussein Obama. Most of us alive today obviously know who he is because he served as president for two terms, beginning in 2008 all the way through 2016. The early life of Barack Obama was a tragic one. He had no relationship with his father, and his mother more or less abandoned him when he was about 10 years old. He was raised primarily by his grandmother, Madeline Lee Payne Dunham. Madeline Lee Payne Dunham passed away on November 2nd, 2008, two days prior to Obama's first presidential election win. Obama has been cited as being incompetent as a president, particularly in regards to Obamacare. His attempt at nationalizing health care was uh, what is deemed by many to have been an absolute bust. However, we must note that he was a disciple of Saul Alinsky and is considered to be a cultural Marxist following the ideas of Gramsci and Alinsky. The amazing thing is that while he worked with the ACORN organization, he was a proud promoter of the socialist stance of the organization, yet when he ran for the White House, he denied his former associations with these guys, minimizing them. His relationship with Bill Ayers, who actually wrote his memoir, The Dreams of My Father, and his neighbor. And also he denied his relationship with Jeremiah Wright, the pastor he had sat under for 20 years. All of these men were Marxist. After leaving office, Obama left the nation with a hypersensitive society bent on embracing Marxism. Should we say thank you? Stanley Kurtz addressed the issue of his Marxist leanings in his book, Radical in Chief. He addressed Obama was mentored by a communist named Frank. Frank, it was discovered, was Marshall Davis, a lifelong communist. In college, Obama sought out Marxist professors and studied under the guidance of these men. He attended, in April of 1983, the Socialist Scholars Conference at Cooper Union in New York City. This conference brought together committed Marxists from all over the nation. This gathering was held to commemorate the 100th anniversary of the death of their beloved leader, Karl Marx. It was Obama's desire to bring Marxist socialism into American politics, but he did not wish to do this through violence. Gramsci methodology seemed to be the most fitting, and it was Gramsci and Sololinsky that he studied under and was impressed by. 
His effort at introducing a national health care program was quite deceptive and incorporated the means that were presented to him by Alinsky and Gramsci. Obamacare, as it came to be known, was a disgrace and a total flop. Many viewed it as part of his incompetence. Others recognized it for what it truly was. He was creating a crisis, a truly disorganized mess, in order to bring about a national outcry for a single-payer health care system. He knew the Republicans could not stand the heat of a crisis for a prolonged period of time and that they would adopt the case as their own. He did not count on Donald J. Trump winning the election in 2017. This threw a wrench in the cogs of the machine Obama had worked diligently to build for eight years. That Obama was a devoted Marxist is clear and his desires have been made manifest. This alone can explain the current crisis that we're facing as a nation. Now that Trump is out and the election of 2020 has been stolen and secured and placed back into the hands of the cultural Marxists by some evil and corrupt men, Obama's men have all been put back into positions of power in a bold and blatant manner. They're setting about to undo anything and everything that Donald Trump had done. We are all just waiting right now to see how far the American people will allow this to go before they step in and say, we've had enough. Another member of the Communist Party who misrepresented herself to the American public was a lady named Betty Friedan. She taught us that she was truly a frustrated housewife who was tired of the monotony of being a Stepford wife and a happy homemaker, the American ideal of a marriage. She wanted to destroy this concept and bring in a new idea, one that she found great freedom in living. All this was a true misrepresentation of who she really was and how she really felt. She was truly a radical propagandist for the Communist Party USA and a staunch supporter of Joseph Stalin. These are not just conspiracy theories and notions. This came out in the late 70s as people began to look into her background, and even her husband brought this out. She did her best to help destroy the nuclear family of the United States and pushed hard for divorce and freedom within the marriage. She wanted to break down the nuclear family. Frieden believed that the emancipation of women becomes possible only when women are unable to take part in production for the state on a large social scale and when domestic duties require their attention only to a minor degree. Get women out of the house. Get men out of the house. The equality of sexes would only happen when women abandon their homes and become worker drones. This was the inspiration and guiding principle for Frieden's book, The Feminine Mystique, and eventually became the cry of the feminist movement nationwide. She viewed the family as a comfortable concentration camp, and she wanted to do her part to dismantle the situation. She established solid friendship with Gloria Steinem and other feminist radicals during the 60s and formed an organization called National Organization of Women, a radical organization for feminism. Another way of creating uh, confusion within the society was to bring to the fore homosexuality as a viable lifestyle. This was done by a man named Henry Hay, who himself was a socialist Marxist. It's amazing how most of the people involved in community organizations are socialists. Saul Alinsky said if we're looking for social help and we confront a, an organization such as ACORN, it would be like offering an enema to a man with diarrhea. Homosexual movement was set up to bring homosexuality into the status normality and respectability. The idea is to break down the moral standards and strip the family of any true core purpose. Marx wanted to destroy the bourgeois family to get the father out, get the mother out, 
leave the children pretty much on their own so that they could lose their identity and become wards of the state. You strip the children of a sense of security and stability. You make divorce easy and acceptable and accessible. It begins to permeate society. They want to re-engineer the family, the concept of marriage between a man and a woman, and they're succeeding in a great way. John Roberts, the Supreme Court, in the year 2017, pushed for the marriage of homosexualities, issuing a mandate that this should be acceptable. Now America has embraced the concept of the homosexual marriage, and they are pushing the courts to even push this farther and force us to accept it. They're finding great opposition, however, in destroying the family because the hindrance is the Christian idea of the biblical family. If there is ever anything that will serve as a major roadblock to the Marxist socialist agenda is a good, healthy family based on biblical principles. This is something they find very difficult to overcome. It was following the insane years of the 60s that the radicals involved in the activities of those days understood that Antonio Gramsci was right. In a Judeo-Christian society, you can never be able to persuade people to rise in a Marxist revolution and be willing to kill each other off. The only way to take a society like this down and bring about change would be to penetrate the institutions of influence and change the people from within. Our questions have always been, why are they so opposed to morality? They want to make us an immoral people. They understand fully if you break down the basic rules of morality, they destroy the culture. Then you're able to move groups around and bring about a greater decay to the established norms of that culture. The culture has to be destroyed. Everything must be brought down to ground zero. They have to attack morality, faith, belief in God, the family, marriage, education, and the church. The Marxists see clearly that our morality is the greatest strength we have as a nation, but we as Americans just do not seem to get it. Morality is simply having the character to do what you should do instead of doing what you have the legal freedom to do. That is the way freedom is maintained. Morality holds the laws together. Without morality as a definitive fixture within a society, the people, their culture, and beliefs will self-destruct. That is where America is today. The bottom line is that freedom and free enterprise is the fruit of a disciplined morality and the fruit of a true philosophical pursuit of truth. Our founding fathers clearly understood this guiding principle, and so does our enemy. John Adams, the second president and first vice president, was a true patriot who understood something of the depth of these matters. He wrote, Our Constitution was made only for moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. This is the fact that we must understand and truly grasp as a fundamental truth. If we have a robust economy, a solid government, low taxes, and a strong national defense, these things would not stop our national descent. As a nation, we're forsaking morality and religion, the very things that hold all other aspects of our society together. If America is to be destroyed, Abraham Lincoln foretold, it will be destroyed from within. Moral decay is what demoralized and ultimately destroyed the Roman Empire. The fall, both here and there, began earlier. In the case of Rome, centuries earlier. In the case of the United States, decades earlier. Rome was an idea, initially a good idea. America began as an idea and has been seen as an exceptional idea. However, we must look at the facts. 50% of all marriages today end in divorce. 40% of children are being born outside of marriage. 
President Joe Biden has moved with extreme haste to establish federal funding to kill children in America and assist other countries in doing the same. It is estimated, according to the Guttmacher Institute, that 18.4% of all pregnancies in the United States are terminated by abortion. These are just the reported incidents. With abortifacient contraceptive, the numbers are beyond knowing. It is estimated that over 10 million Americans use this method. As Americans, our government is charging you, the American citizen, for federally funded abortions. You are having your part in the murder of millions of children annually. The government has even performed detailed studies that show the benefits of murdering the child is far better than allowing the child to be born based on a cost plus analysis. The sanctity of life is only applicable if it becomes a political necessity. 19 million cases of sexually transmitted diseases are reported annually. As many as 25% of the children in the United States live in households without a father. Consequently, there is a father factor in nearly all social ills facing American society today, according to the United States Census Bureau. Our schools are teaching our children that there really is no right or wrong. It's all relative. They are also beginning in preschool to educate them according to the homosexual lifestyle that Billy's father has a roommate. Between the years 2007 and 2018, the CDC reports that suicide among those aged 10 to 24 years have increased by 64% nationwide. 10% of Americans are struggling to afford food. The racial divide in America is wider than it has been in decades, beginning in 2008. Our society is falling apart right in front of us, whether we want to admit it or not. The truth is, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. The fact is that we, the majority, are being corralled as a people by the minority. The desires and intentions are not for our welfare and good as a nation. The minority is making decisions for the nation without the consent of the governed. They have bypassed the Constitution and are forcing us into accepting a fraudulent election and an anti-God agenda. They are ruling by fiat and decree, executive orders. Their direction is to bring Marxism to power and to subjugate the people to an authoritarian rule. For many, this is unimaginable and absolutely impossible. These are the ramblings of an extremist. Yet here we sit, being forced to accept homosexual marriage, debating at what point we should actually execute a child during an abortion, or should we just execute it after birth? Our national debt sits in the $20 trillion range. The president, in the midst of a financial crisis, signs executive orders canceling tens of thousands of jobs. The facts declare the truth. These men declare the lies. And we must make a choice. But that's exactly what the idea is. The aim is to bring about a complete demoralization and a deep dissatisfaction with the present system. What we're being presented is a lie. The system, they say, is corrupt and broken. When we confess that and we say that, essentially, they have won a major victory. From this system, we must recall a constitutional republic has risen. The greatest nation of the world has been formed. For 250 years, this system has worked. There have been weaknesses discovered and problems revealed. Still, there is no other form of government that even remotely comes close to the Founding Fathers' dream of America. Truly, Alex de Tocqueville was right. There is an American exceptionalism. It's not a new idea that's being forced upon us, but rather an old, old concept that was explained in detail. If you've attended college and have studied government, more than likely you were required to read Plato's Republic. Yeah, that book. We'll get to that in just a moment. The decision that we're being forced to make is simple and clear. Believe the government or believe God. Believe the government or believe the Bible. 
This is the ultimate battle, and you can view this as you wish. The fact is that the founders of the United States were deeply religious men and used sound theological truths to guide them in articulating the principles described in the Constitution of the United States. Progressive historians will and have done what they can to dispute these facts. They have revised history and rewritten all that we know. But if you take time for personal research, you will find these things to be accurate. Over 90% of the population of that day, the day of the founding of the United States, were ardent and committed Christian men and women, and all but one of the signatories of the Declaration of Independence were Protestant churchmen. In order for the utopian ideas of socialism to truly be applied, the ideas of the Judeo-Christian society have to be eliminated, not just altered or modified. Karl Marx suggested that one must attack the economics of a society in order to gain a footing. Gramsci tried the revolutionary route in Italy and ended up in prison. During his stay, he wrote thousands of pages expressing his views and came to the conclusion that Marx's ideas for change were good and admirable, but they could not be accomplished with open violence in a state where the Judeo-Christian ideas ruled. Rather than attack the economy, in his view, we must attack the culture. Thus came cultural Marxism. Gramsci's conclusions were embraced by Alinsky and then by Barack Obama. Some like to say that Barack Obama was a Christian, and I have read the same information that you have. Examine, if you will, the belief system of his beloved pastor, Jeremiah Wright. Pastor Wright was a Marxist and heavily involved in the social justice movement in Chicago. It was Jeremiah Wright who preached goddamn America. Understanding Marxist ideology, one cannot deny that Karl Marx denied Christianity and despised the church. He wished to see it destroyed. His ideology teaches that religion is the soul of the soulless condition. His impact on Western Christianity has been far more substantial than many realize. The idea is to bring confusion and attrition and usually suppression of religion. One shame we at Vintage Broadcasting find to be prevalent is that many pastors pay little to no attention to these matters. They have no concept of the creeping fog that has engulfed our schools, universities, and the minds of our corporations. Their congregations are oblivious to the real world that is developing all around them. They fend off any rebukes in the area of saying the church is not to be involved in politics. We do not agree with this thought. If the church were to vacate the arena, then the ground we vacate will take and be taken freely and greedily by the enemies who wish to destroy us. In that we are not concerned with politics, we do not recognize the enemy, his ideas, philosophy, stratagem, and aim. Ignorance is not a blessed state for the church. The Lord says his people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And it goes on to tell us that they have rejected this knowledge. For a pastor to ignore the events of the day is not a show of spiritual vigor and integrity. It's a show of a desire to be ignorant regarding the happenings around us. To show how the word of God applies to events of the day provides wisdom and understanding to the people. It is understood that Christ is the goal and pleasing him is our aim. But brethren, we are not ignorant of our enemy, nor should we be ignorant of his devices. But sadly, for many of us, we would rather just live our lives daily, go to work, come home, feed the dog, watch some TV, and go to bed. My friends know this. It is spiritual watching coupled with prayer that gives one the strength to survive temptations and difficult situations. Being awake in scripture is equated with righteousness and not sinning. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 34, awake to righteousness and do not sin. It is not always easy to keep watch. If you recall, Peter, James, and John fell asleep as they were asked to watch with Christ. And Christ said, look, the flesh is weak. The spirit may be willing, but the flesh is weak. You and I, we must watch and be ready.
Thank you for listening to Vintage Broadcasting Series Number 1, The Great Reset. We hope this helps you stay informed and up to date with the understanding of why our nation is in decline and how this is being accomplished. The ultimate goal is to introduce you to the Lord Jesus Christ and to explain how he has made a way for us to be freed from sin and its consequences and to give to us eternal life. We do appreciate your participation and you are invited to continue with us as we consider these things. Thank you very much.